0: Hello everyone. I wanted to um, say a few words to you in uh, mostly appreciation, but also share a couple of reflections um, from my own practice here. Um, First of all, I want to just thank you for your practice and for the uh, generous ways you've let me... um, Have access to your life to how you're working with your life I'm in a lot of gratitude because there's so much wisdom here and heart and um, and the way you've been working with your life and the material and what arises has been really lovely to uh, to see and to see the flow of it um, and to see the brightness in your faces and um so i'm grateful to having that kind of access and intimacy to your life and um in in my own reflection I, i i just first need to say that i think it's been um a beautiful week because we've got these exquisite teachings from um these two lovely beings who have woven a beautiful tapestry of wisdom for us and it's been generous and overflowing and um, for so many of you that I've talked to there's been this yummy yummy gummy bear experience of wanting to take it all in and remember it all and what I want to say to you is that uh, tra- 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 this, this, these teachings are so dense that um, it's not as important to remember the exact words as much as it is to remember how your heart's been touched this week and how this, this direct experience that you've had with the teachings, with the um, vast um, lineage that they've made available to us, that we've been touched and tenderized. And again, we're cooking a soup that not only we need to taste, but the world needs to taste. For my own practice this week, it's, it's taken everything I've got just not to clean up this, this situation. I've <laughs> been, been really working on this all week and, you know, being a grandmother, you know, and, you know, let's tidy this up a little bit. I I said to Jack a couple of days ago, I said, um... It's really been a practice for me, you know, to it's not kind of, you know, it's gone from helping him out to, you know, uh, maybe we can tidy this up in my own mind, my own uh, mental states. <laughs> and um, and he and he said, oh, oh, that's okay, because I'd never be able to find anything. And I'm thinking, okay. So then, it. I remember him saying many years ago, "Your life looks like your mind. Your mind looks like your life." And this is really how my life looks, but it's hard for me to <laughs> to see it out loud. And of course, uh, you know my own stories around being tidy, and actually the danger of of not having things in their right place. Uh, you know, which is an or- early programming. My partner has a whole office at home like this, and I and I can hardly. You know, we've kind of worked it out. My whole nervous system can't handle it, but this has been my (laughs) practice. I just want you to know what my practice has been. Anyway, um, I'm only sharing that because you've been so generous with your own vulnerability. So, (laughs)
1: Um,
0: Just a couple of more things. Um, So many of you have talked about being in transitions, and, um, and I think that another way to hold the changes in our lives is that change is all there is. So, uh, you know, this, this notion sometimes of being in transition is an assumption there that we're going to finally get to some stable place and it's going to be all right. But, uh, you know, this, uh, our, the, this practice that teaches us a lot about impermanence is, is a real deal, not to mention dukkha. And um, I would also invite, as you, um, you know, kind of go into your various lives, a couple of things. One is to pay attention to the neutral, to the neutral zone, the things we fast forward through, the things we think we already know. I love the quote that Trudy offered us. Um, She is so familiar to me, I hardly know her. And there's so many things in our day-to-day lives that we fast-forward through because we've got our mind set elsewhere. We're trying to do this or we're on a device. I, read some, I saw something on Facebook that says, dance like nobody's watching because they're not watching. They're all on their devices. <laughs> so you don't have to <laughs> worry about that. And I like what Jack said when he said, you know, focus more on the seeds you plant. Focus more on the seeds you plant, knowing that we have karmic impact, this cause and effect. You know be intentional about the seeds that you plant, And also consider all acts and acts of service are a blessing if we have this sense of ceremony in our lives. With this practice, what I'm attracted to mostly about this practice is the part where it's of benefit to all beings not just my own understanding of this practice or my own whatever, but how that radiates out into the world, our relatedness, our connectedness, and what we're creating, the seeds we're planting in this relational field of a broad sense of Sangha. So I wish all of you well. It's been beautiful being here with my buddy here, um, Lila, and it's been lovely to be of service to you, so thank you so much.
2: Well, what Ruth said, (laughs) what she said, and all that has been spoken and communicated here, I'd also like to point back, as Ruth did, to the sparks of understanding that um, arose in each of us as we listened, and to think of those as seeds or candle flames um, that we can take away from here. Moments of freedom and liberation reminding us that our freedom can't be taken away from us, that that's part of the Buddha nature and this inalienable freedom and dignity and the kind of uh, slight indeterminacy of those in-between moments when we could go one way or the other. I think the question is, what is our freedom for? Is it to uh, carry a gun, Um, or his Holiness the Dalai Lama put out a birthday tweet saying he wanted a present, um, that was yesterday, so it might be too late, but that human beings should be compassionate to one another and to all beings. So that's a form of freedom that we can enact as we leave, and we do need Teachers and examples. And our teachers and examples may come from inside ourselves, or they may come from a tree, or I'm thinking of an African-American man, Gregory Bright, who was in prison for 27 and a half years and didn't know how to read and write, and um, was able to forgive the whole system that did this to him, saying, one way I couldn't forgive, I couldn't change what happened but I could forgive it and that was the way for things to change. One way lay more of the same and one way lay the change. And this person didn't have a teacher, it just came to him. So he can be our teacher. Now most of us, especially as people of greater privilege may need more teaching. As I said yesterday, I didn't wanna insult the people who are well off in the audience, like as we, all train to be more generous and you know participate in such a way that um, helps the world that's what our training here is all about. So how do we live in a way that our understanding doesn't get deleted like an email will or you know sort of forgotten as you pursue some other search degenerating into pixels and letting other things capture our understanding, like we've talked about the screens, and there's a lot of forces reaching through the screen to get your attention and to use it for um, different kinds of purposes that may not suit the meanings that we would like to see in our world. So this practice, and a practice of regular sitting each day, or connecting with a sangha, or coming back uh, to what's clear in us. It might help to just make some intention to try to sustain this understanding or the little sparks and seeds that we're each carrying, and to remember the basic precepts of non-harming. And you are you hereby released from the celibate one um, and pretty soon from the silent one. So in our ways of speaking and physically relating to the world to reduce the forces of addiction, exploitation, and mental colonization that try to come in and take over our operating system. To keep the images and thoughts in our minds uh, going the way we would like them to go. Something that helps us to remember that our body and mind know how to free themselves if we give them the chance, Um, just like we know how to fall asleep. We turn the light off and lie down. Now, that doesn't always work for everyone right away, but um, generally there's a natural process that we can enhance by the way that we live toward greater and greater freedom. Um, So with that, I want to say that... um, each one of us is like one of those candle flames or seeds that we can carry this teaching in a fun and creative way and live it you know in a way it's great that this these sessions were short it is as ruth said like a we've taken like a kind of a like a dose of something and then it's going to keep working especially if we help it do so and in our individual life to do it in a way that is meaningful and refreshing and rejuvenating for each one of us, as we've tried to indicate. And to learn from perhaps something like the tree that knows that the tree just needs to be its own tree and that it's part of a system of, um, of a healing world, like taking in certain gases and letting out others and helping us live just by the generosity of its being a tree, each one of us one by one are like that, and each moment one by one, like each time the bell rings, it's a new bell ringing, that's something, one of the insights that can come in attending to moments with care, the particulars of the moment, as Jack was saying. Um, It's not like the bell ringing at the end of this will be the only time it rings in that way, and that's another dimension of our freedom, that we may feel that our patterns come up again and again and we get very tired of being angry or feeling victimized or just so triggered by something that one sister did or said. Um, But each time that those feelings and situations and the perceptions come up that feel like keeping us in a prison, each time we place our awareness and our loving attention upon it and soften into a sense of how do we encounter this stranger in our midst this weird thing outside or inside like how do we open to the moment it's new each time so we have a new chance every time there's a story in um, the Burmese tradition of a which I just read the other night of they keep a record of you know deep healings and spontaneous things that happened on retreat of this I told one of uh, my very dear meditation groups interview people that, who I had the chance to talk to one-on-one which is so great about this but there was a, a man who was a super drunkard and his family decided that only meditation was going to help him and they tried to drag him to this meditation center and they, he was too drunk to even come so he was like on the floor and it was like well we can't bring him today and then when they had a next retreat began, now please don't this with your relatives. <laughs> I don't know. We're not as strict as they are in Burma, but um, anyway, so they caught him early in the morning before he was really awake. You know when we're all in there and by the tea urn, like half-blind <laughs> creatures, and there can be such compassion when we can hardly see each other to stay out of each other's way on the way to the urn, like, like that. They brought him here like, like that to the meditation center, and he just had a moment of... Um, He actually somehow left the retreat and found a a drinking place and he found this big vat of palm toddy wine. This was in the 1940s in Burma and he looked at it and he spontaneously looked at his craving and it disappeared and he had a moment of liberation from which there was no going back, like he never drank again and he's just living kind of a nice life because in that one moment, like that one time when the bell rang for him and he saw it so clearly, he let it go Um, And he let it go in a way that um, was quite amazing. So whether it happens, like it all falls open in one way, or there's a liberation of that sort, or there's just a little gentling, it's kind of all this uh, freedom is here. The Holy Grail or that moment is actually in this very shaky, changing mind and heart. And that's what we all hope um, to understand, whether... You know, in a shallow way or a deeper way, it's actually all connected that maybe we understand it a little or maybe we understand it a lot and could that be enough um, just to see how our mind is. And I guess the last thing to say is um, an encouragement as a practitioner really to remember to look at our mind each time because that's how we participate in things. Steep teaching of being a practitioner is when we're angry, it doesn't mean that we won't address the conditions outside. Anger can be a signal that something needs to change, but it gets very tiring being angry. And if we can learn to really take it onto the path each time, that it's not something out there, it's actually uh, something in us that when we can come from a calm and a beautiful place to address the conditions that are so make. Life so difficult for ourselves or for other beings but to make this world the kind of place we want to live um, that internal cultivation I believe is something that our Buddhist practice really brings to the uh, collective effort to make this world uh, the one that we want to share so with that I just give you my you know my heart and my appreciation and thank you so much especially those with whom I was able to speak and who shared, as Ruth said.
1: So as a way of concluding the retreat, I'd like us to do a a very simple ritual, optional for those who, who wish, which is the creation of water, sometimes called blessing cords or protection cords. And if a couple of people would help just scatter little clumps of these around the room and then you get one. Let's take a few for up here. Um, and then pass it on to people near you. so pretty soon everyone has them. There's an elephant sized one there too, I see, a <laughs> <the> big one. <laughs> um, and while they are passed out, I'll just say a few things about this. Um, blessing cords or protection cords um, are used across Buddhist Asia, Um, you know, all the way from Persia, which was Buddhist, and Afghanistan through India and through East Asia. Um, And you don't have to give them out one one at a time. Just give the whole clump to somebody, and then they'll pass them on to other people. Um, So... Um, And uh, they're used for rituals of connection and healing um, and blessing in most of the Buddhist countries. In India, the sense of the sacred cord is so important that a Brahmin priest will wear a white cord around their body for the whole of their adult life as a symbol that they live within the um, field of the sacred, no matter what they say and what they do, where they go. Um, and the reason that these are this particular color, they're reds or ochres and so forth, gold, is that it's considered to be one thread from the monk robe of a monk or a nun that you wear, I have this one from the Dalai Lama, um, into the marketplace. So basically, you're a monk or a nun in drag, um, and they don't know it, right? And you um, then carry the temple with you um, as you move through, move through the market. Um, I did this many years ago together with the Lama Chogyam Trumpa Rinpoche. We were t- doing a blessing cord ceremony, a protection cord ceremony. That's good, you can just sit down. Anybody not have? If you're desperate you can take two. It's okay. Um, Or there's a few extra, you can bring them to somebody if you want. We'll have them up here in the basket later. Um, Somebody raised their hand and said, these are sometimes called protection cords. Uh, What exactly do they protect you from? And he smiled. He said, why yourself, of course, (laughs) which is the main protection we human beings need. Um, so to create this blessing or protection cord, we're going to tie three knots in it in sequence. Um, so hold your cord. And the first knot uh, is the knot of refuge. It's been such a um, an honor really to be here with Trudy and with Ruth and with Leela and with all of you. Um, and I look out and we made this decision um, to stay in with you to sit and answer questions and dialogue and so forth rather than try and disappear and do inter- interviews kind of separately. And then I see a number of people, dear friends that I've known for years and years and years. We've been practicing together for 20, 30, 40 years, and it makes me so happy that we can do this together again. And to the extent that we haven't been able to to talk, just know how beautiful it is that we get to come together and that I recognize and see you. And it means a lot to all of us. Um, so the refuge is that's refuge in Sangha that we've been doing this forever and will continue. Um, I actually said to Joseph, I think we were all students together with the Buddha, um, kind of at the bottom of the class and not very good. So we got born again to try it better next time or something like that. Um, Sangha, refuge in Dharma, as Trudy talked about, the refuge in truth, in seeing what's true and following the path of awakening. And of course, the refuge in Buddha, which is the historical Buddha, but, and the great lineage, but more than that, of the Buddha mind. And the invitation from the Buddha is that you awaken to your own Buddha mind, that that's who you are. So in whatever way refuge is meaningful to you, hold your cord up, or even if it's refuge in um, some other form of the sacred, of what you take to be holy, um, hold your cord and reflect, may I live my life um, according to the deepest refuge in the sacred, in the Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, in the awakening of all beings. When you're ready, tie a knot in the cord that is your commitment to your refuge. Then the second knot is the knot of compassion, and particularly of non harming, as Leela mentioned to start with. Um, And Trudy taught the traditional precepts of reverence for life and not killing, of care for things, not stealing, of taking care with our speech and our sexuality and our uh, our minds and not intoxicating ourselves in ways that are harmful. Basically, not to cause harm to yourself or others. It's hard enough. You know, it's very hard to meditate after a day of killing and stealing. It just doesn't work terribly well, so you know. um, So that's the ground of compassion, is to make the dedication not to cause harm to yourself or others. And then more naturally out of that flows the care, um, the tending of beings who have been in countless eons, if you wish to at least take it metaphorically, as your people, as your beings. So hold the cord, and reflect on the undertaking of these practices of non-harming, to not harm yourself and not harm others, and instead act with compassion for all you meet. And tie the second knot in the cord as you do. And then the third knot is your vow. Sometimes people take bodhisattva vows. Sometimes people do that reflection we did earlier. What? How can I live my life to really embody this? Sometimes it's what Leela said of planting seeds. And here's the secret last minute, you get the secret. (laughs) The secret is to act well, to plant beautiful seeds in this world without attachment to the fruits of your actions. To do them because of the dignity and the value and the truth and the rightness of it. And know that those seeds will bear fruit in their own way, in their own time. That's not given to you. But what's given to you is to make something magnificent and beautiful of each moment, each seed you plant. Diane Ackerman writes this little verse. In the name of daybreak and the eyelids of morning and the wayfaring moon and the night when it departs. I swear I will not dishonor my soul with hatred, but offer myself humbly as a guardian of nature, a healer of misery, a messenger of wonder, and an architect of peace." And so hold your cord and reflect if you could make a simple vow, leaving this retreat with a quiet mind and an open heart, what would it be? It could be as simple as, I vow to be kind. It's setting the compass of your heart. and tie the third knot in your cord as you do, which is your commitment to carry this forward. And now your blessing or protection cord is fully activated. (laughs) If you want to wear it around your neck, here's some options. You can put it around your neck and just let the two ends hang down for now. you want to wear it around your wrist, wrap it three times and let the two ends hang, hang down. If you don't want to wear it and you want to put it in your pocket, you can. But if you want to wear it even for a little bit, and now that you have the ends hanging down, um, I would ask that you turn to the person next to you and tie on their blessing cord with a kind of silent blessing as you do and let them tie yours on. Uh-huh. Okay. Do better with glasses, but it's okay now. Hmm. Let yourself finish up. Mm-hmm. Sapitio Iwachantu, Saparo, Ko, Inasatu, Made Pawatwantarayo, Sukitika, Yukoboa, Abiwatanasile, Sani Chang, Uta no, Jataru, Dama Ayu no sukang palang a sharing of merit of all that we've done offered to the world that it may bring blessings to every being that we may carry these teachings in our heart and embody them in a way that brings joy and happiness freedom to ourselves and all that we touch that we remember coming together in this beautiful place in many cases year after year and sharing the luminosity of the Dharma with one another. And then from Guillaume Apollinaire, now and then it is good to pause in our pursuit of happiness and just be happy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Trudy, dear. Thank Thank you, Leela and Ruth. Thank you all so much. Travel safe. Who knows? Maybe we'll do this again. It was kind of fun. Thank you. Feel free to get up, to thank people, to hug them. And if you put the extra... Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers
0: and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.